0: Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can you say amen? God is good, is He not? Today I want to talk to you about deception. Before we get to deception, open your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. We're just going to look at verse 3 of chapter 1, one verse. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. While you're turning there, I'll just uh, tell you what it says. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Say this, His divine power power has given us everything we need need. for life and godliness godliness. through the the knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. goodness. Say it again. His divine power power has given us everything we need need for life and godliness godliness. through our knowledge of Him him who called us by His own glory and goodness and and goodness. Father, we pray today in the name of Jesus that Your Word would come to us as the breath of God. The Scripture says all Scripture is God-breathed. But it was not only breathed into the authors of it, but it's breathed into the readers of it, the receivers of it. And I pray that you would breathe it through my mouth and that your people would receive it as the very breath of God. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in the ninth grade, you know when you're in the ninth grade your hormones are going crazy. So I was in the ninth grade, and uh, I remember uh, I was uh, coming out of the... We had this uh, this room called the music box, and we'd have some classes in there, and, and uh, I was a musician, and so we had orchestra rehearsal in there and choir rehearsal in there. We were coming out of the music box for something, and when we got outside, it was time for recess, and it was time to play, and one of my best friends, my closest friend, he ran up to me, and he said, he ran up to me and my friend Andre, and he said, Hey, guys, guess what just happened? I said, What just happened? He had this look of... Eagerness, excitement on his face like the greatest thing in the world had happened. He said, I was coming down the stairs from the music box and he named this young lady who was walking up the stairs and there was a button unbuttoned on her shirt and he said, I could see right down her shirt and I could, I could see him, I could see him and he was so excited and I said, man, that's disrespectful. And he looked at me he said, Benjamin, those times rarely happen. <laughs> but when they do You take full advantage of it. You drool. You drool. Years later, years later, as a pastor, I found myself glancing in the bosom direction of young ladies every chance I got. And, and, and I, I realized at a certain point that I had been doing it for years. And I, 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 mean, I would repent afterwards. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, forgive Oh, Lord. and I say, Why am I doing this? Okay, I've been sanctified. I've been saved. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm a preacher of the gospel. But I, I, I have to discipline myself. Keep your eyes above the neck. And I prayed and prayed and said, God, why am I doing this? And all of a sudden, the Lord took me back to that moment in the ninth grade and said... He indoctrinated you. He deceived you. Satan, through this man, deceived you into thinking you wanted that. You had no inclination for that. You had no desire for that. You had no idea that you needed that or that you wanted that until this man preached this gospel to you. And you received it and believed it. And because you believed that lie... That deception took hold of your heart. And what I want to propose to you today, what I want to declare to you today, is that sin does not begin with temptation, it begins with deception sin never begins with temptation it always begins with deception in genesis chapter 3 verse 13 now we all know the story of what happens there god comes walking in the garden and adam is adam and eve are not there i mean he shows up at the appointed time and they hear the sound of the lord walking in the garden and they hide and he says adam where are you what 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 have you done? And Adam comes up, "Oh, I heard you walking in the garden, and we were scared because we were naked." And he goes, "Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from?" And he goes, "That woman you gave me, so it's her fault and your fault. Well, she gave me and I ate." And he looks at the woman and says, "What have you done?" And she says, Genesis 3:13, "The serpent deceived me, and I ate." The serpent deceived me. I didn't know I wanted it, but the serpent deceived me. I I I I, I didn't. I was, she didn't say, God, you shouldn't have told us that we can't eat from that tree. I've been walking around the garden for years, going, uh, oh that oh that fruit looks so good. Uh, I know we got all these other trees, but uh, oh that fruit looks. I just wanted to. If I could just take a bite. She didn't say I was craving it. I wanted it. I was longing for it, and I couldn't resist anymore. No, she said I had no inclination for it, but the ser- the serpent deceived me. When the serpent came to her and said, you want this fruit. She said, no, 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 God said not to eat. She immediately protested. I don't want that. God said not to have it. I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with that. But he said, no, 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 (laughs) no. You're not understanding God. He's trying to keep something from you that he doesn't want you to have. There's something that you need that he's not providing for you. And as soon, and that is is the key to understanding deception. Satan comes with deception, and what he comes to deceive you into believing is that there's something God's holding out from you. Something that you should have, something that you deserve, something that you want, something that you long for, but he is not satisfying that need, so you might as well make it happen yourself. And as soon as you receive that idea that there's something that God has not provided for me, as soon as I embrace that deception that there's something that God has not provided for me, all of the sudden that deception takes hold and now the longing begins. It works the same thing in the physical body, doesn't it? You weren't born craving sugar. But when you bought into the deception that you need it, and you started eating foods that were chock full of processed sugar, all of a sudden, this crazy... You know, when we do Daniel fasts, sometimes I walk through certain aisles in the grocery store, and I just start having seizures. (laughs) I mean, my soul longs. Every fiber in my being wants to grab a chocolate donut and just... Why? Because I've bought into the deception that I need that. But before I tasted it, I didn't want it. You know, James says in James chapter 1 that every man is tempted when he's led astray by his own sinful desires. But why do you have sinful desires? You have sinful desires because you have been deceived into thinking that there's something that you need that God is not providing for you. But Peter says here in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, His divine power has given you everything you need for life and for godliness, meaning there is nothing in your life that you need that He hasn't provided for you. David says it this way in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When David says that, makes that statement, he goes all the way back before the fall to the way Adam and Eve lived before deception came. We talked about this how Adam, he's working for God for free. God brings all the animals to him, says, Name them. Now, how many animals do you think that was? 500, 5,000, 500,000? How many species of animals are? Now, me, I would have looked out at this mass of animals. See, so we, we think of God bringing like 20 animals to Adam, you know? Lion, tiger, bear. All done. No, 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 no. There's more animals than that on this earth. Hundreds of thousands of species. And God says, name them. Now, me, I would have looked out at this mass of animals. And started making calculations. Okay, there's about 500,000 animals out there. I can name about 500 of them a day. That means 1,000 days. If I take weekends off, (laughs) it'll take me about four to five years to finish naming all these animals. And that's if I don't take breaks. Okay, God, look, um, it's going to take me about five years. I got some plans. I got some things I want to accomplish in life. What do I get for this? How much are you going to pay me? I was thinking about 60000 a year. What do you think? That sound good to you, Lord? And, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm going to need some stuff. I mean, what are you going to... Adam doesn't even stop to ask what he gets out of it because he just assumes that if the Lord is my shepherd, I'm not going to want for any... I mean, how can I need anything when God is walking with me in the cool of the day? He takes care of all of my needs. There's nothing that I don't have that I need. I have all of my needs are provided. Look at this garden he's provided me with. You want me to name the animals? Okay, let's start naming. He just freely gives himself to the service of the Lord without stopping to think about himself. And watch this. Who was it that realized Adam needed a wife? Was it Adam? Did Adam wake up and say, hold on a second. I just realized something. All of them are two, and I'm one. Lord, I think you left something out. It doesn't say Adam came to that realization. It says, God said... It's not good for man to be alone. He doesn't even realize that he's missing anything. He has no self-consciousness, only God consciousness. He's not even conscious of what he needs that he lacks. It doesn't mean he doesn't have any needs, but it means that he fully trusts that the Father knows what I have need of before I ask him. And so the Father's over here with the Son and Holy Spirit having this little inter-Trinitarian conversation. It's not good for for man to be alone. What do you think, Jesus? Or living word, whatever you want to call him. I got a plan. All right, Adam, come here. I I need to put you to sleep. Adam, okay. And I need to cut you. (laughs) Cool. I must need to be cut. I got to take something from you. (laughs) Okay. Must not need it. And when Adam comes out of that coma and sees this woman that was created for him, he goes, (gasps) I didn't even know what I was missing. God, you are awesome. You are providing for my needs without me even knowing that I need something. The way we live as believers in the body of Christ is so opposite of that. We are full of wants and full of needs and full of. And that's why when we get on our knees to pray, all we know how to say is, God, I want and God, I need and God, I need and God, I want and God, please give me this and God, please give me that. And meanwhile, God has animals for you to name, but you're not naming nobody because you're too busy going, but God, what about me and when am I going to get what I need? And God already laid it out and says, His divine power is giving you everything, but you and I just don't believe it. And there's only one reason why we don't believe it. It's because we bought into the deception of the enemy. God hasn't really said that. God hasn't really provided for all of your needs. You still need some stuff. You still want some stuff. You still need some stuff. And that's why when we talk about riding the sin cycle, what gets you off the sin cycle is not suppression. The only thing we know how to do is suppress the desire. You know, we talk about, you know, okay, well, I've got to fight this temptation and I'm going to fight it for the rest of my life because I know I'm going to be tempted and, and I'm going to want it and I'm going to want it and I'm going to want it and I'm going to fight it, but I'm going to fight it because I know I'm just going to want it for the rest of my life. And that's not biblical at all. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If if, if that was the only scripture in the Bible, if we just lived that, Psalm 23, 1, we'd be okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, meaning I'm not being driven by desire. I'm being driven by the presence of the Lord. The center of my life is not what I need. All I've needed, His hand has provided. He's faithful. That's what His faithfulness means. You know, Hebrews chapter 4 I believe it's verse 14, where is it? Somewhere here in my notes. Yeah, Hebrews 4.15, off by one. It says, we don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with our needs, but we have one who was tempted in every way such as we, yet without sin. That hit me last night in a way it never hit me before. You know why he was tempted in every way such as we, yet without sin? Because the temptation was powerless against him because he was never deceived. Temptation without deception is utterly powerless. He was never deceived into thinking he wanted it or needed it. He didn't have a friend on the playground saying, You need this. When you get this opportunity, brother, you take it. You drool. There, there was no deception. He at another point he said, The Prince of this world's coming, but he has nothing in me. You know what he meant? He's got no deception in me. Satan only has one tool, only has one weapon, deception. That's why he's called the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. If he tells you you need it, it's a lie. If you believe it, you're in bondage. Deception brings you into bondage. And what does it bring you into bondage to? It brings you into bondage to the desire to sin. And that's why James says every man is tempted when he's led astray by his own sinful desires. Jesus was tempted, but not in the same way we're tempted because he had no sinful desires. And he had no sinful desires because he was never deceived. Why? Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The opposite of deception is truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. And you can't deceive the truth. Jesus says, I'm the embodiment of the truth. I am undeceivable. You can't deceive me. I am immune to Satan's deception. The prince of this world can come, but he's got nothing in me because I've never been deceived and I never will be deceived. And then Jesus says to his disciples in John 16, he says, don't worry, I'm going to leave. I'm going to the Father, but I won't leave you orphans. I'm sending the Spirit or the Comforter the parakletos, the one who walks alongside, the one who comes alongside, who calls from alongside. He, speaks of, he calls him the paraclete or says the comforter there in, in, in our NIV Bibles. Parakletos, para, alongside. Kletos comes from kaleo, meaning to call. He'll come alongside you and he'll put his arm around you and he'll speak to you on the road. And he says when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's the spirit of truth, which is the opposite of deception. And Jesus said in John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from deception. When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He'll guide you into all truth. He'll guide you out of the path of error and deception. He'll come alongside. No, 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 son. You don't need that. Come on. Let's come over here into the truth. No, no, daughter. You don't need that. You don't need that. Let's come over here into the truth. No, no, no. No, I'm going to be your shepherd now. I know all these other things. You know, I let my friend, my fr- I almost said his name. I let my friend be my shepherd that day. I let my friend be my shepherd that day and that's why I begin to want. But the soul that has the Lord as its shepherd does not know want. And so the spirit of truth comes alongside, puts his arm around us, says, come on, I'm going to be your shepherd now. I'm going to take you out of the path of error, out of the path of deception, and I'm going to bring you into the path of truth. And when you come into the path of truth, and he will guide you into all truth, which means he will lead you out of all error and out of all deception. When we think of error and deception, we're, 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 our mind always goes doctrinal. We think of some theology that's off or some error, some, some theological error. no. Fundamentally, the error, the deception that the Spirit of Truth comes to lead us out of is the deception that would tell us that there's something God hasn't given us, that there's something that my soul should want for, should long for, should yearn for, and should cry out for that God hasn't given me. Listen, the only thing the soul should long for is God. David said, One thing have I desired for the Lord from the Lord, not a wife not a new car, not a new business, not more money. There's one thing, that my, one thing that I've desired, and that will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. You know, the Scripture says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And that's, that's a trick, isn't it? Because if you delight yourself in the Lord, He is the desire of your heart. <laughs> You say, well, let me delight myself in the Lord so he will satisfy all these other wicked desires. Uh-uh. <laughs> now I'm not delighting myself in the Lord anymore. And so Jesus says uh, to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he, he talked about the true worshipers. said, the day is coming and now is when the true worshipers will not worship on this mountain or that mountain, but the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth, which is the opposite of deception. there's something hindering your worship because there's a cry on the inside that flows out of deception that says, Lord, I worship you, but I wish you would satisfy this. Lord, I worship you, but I need this. And I'm not satisfied in you because there's something that you've cheated me out of, something you've robbed me of, something that you haven't given me. Lord, I worship you, but but I need. and And it's antithetical. Because worship means, God, I give you everything. But then deception says, but Lord, I I need this and you're not giving it to me. Well, how can I give you everything when I'm accusing you of not satisfying some need, some desire that I have? And so the soul begins to cry out. But at every place where the soul asserts itself, it must become an offering to God. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, David said in Psalm 25, 1. That's why the Lord was able to be his shepherd, because the Lord was able to shepherd his soul, and he's called in First Peter 2:25 the shepherd and overseer of our souls. But he's only able to shepherd and oversee our souls if we lift up the soul to him. David says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. The soul is comprised of the mind, will, and emotions. Everything that my mind, will, and emotions desires, I give to you. Everything that I think I need, I lift it up to you. Everything that I think I'm missing, I lift it up to you. You're my shepherd, and I'm making a decision that if you're my shepherd, I'm not going to want for anything anymore. Friday was one of the most frustrating days of my entire life. I'm leaving for Korea tomorrow. Most of you know that. My wife is in Indonesia right now, uh, and uh, she's going to meet Alethea and I in in Korea next week. And uh, so uh, we we were about six months away from a computer crisis, maybe less, here at the office. Uh, All of our computers were experiencing all kinds of trouble, and so I'm thinking, oh, Lord, we got to buy a whole slew of new computers within three months. And what are we going to do? Where are we going to get the money to do it? And so I started looking into options and talking to people. And what I discovered was that if we just added more RAM and bought new hard drives and up upgraded the software, we'd probably get a couple more years out of our computers. And, uh, you know, we'd be good. So I, I took uh, my wife's Mac, my Mac, and the Office iMac, uh, that one right there, Took it to the, the f- to this the store where they fix Macs in Berkeley. So I took it in and they looked at the computers. Oh yeah yeah yeah, we can put more RAM in all of these, put new hard drives in all of these, new battery in this one, upgrade the software, and you'll be good to go. So I put it in on Wednesday, and they said come back next week. I said no 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 no, we we got to work now. We need it tomorrow. So he goes okay. Add an extra 50 bucks, and you can get it by tomorrow morning. So I said, great. So I'm all excited. You know, we pay pay the man the money, and it was a fraction of what it would have cost to buy brand new computers. And so the next morning, he called me about 10 a.m. and said, your computers are done. So I went back out to Berkeley, and I show up at the store, and I get the computers, and I come back to the office. I'm all excited. I got all three, and then I open up my Mac, and I go to the sound booth, and I start working on editing my radio program. You know, we have a radio program on KDIA Radio, 1640 a.m. every Friday evening, uh, from 8.15 to 8.30 p.m., we play a little 15-minute clip of a message that we give here at the church. And uh, it's, it's part of a program called Issues After Dark. And uh, they have a listenership of more than 3 million people worldwide. So it's, it's a wonderful opportunity, right? Wonderful opportunity. Praise God. So uh, I come back, and I was working on it. And it's typically about a two-hour job once a week. So I'm editing it down, and, and, uh, and I spent about two hours and 15 minutes. And I came to the end of it, and all of a sudden, my, my computer froze and then crashed and i lost all of it so i called those people at the, the store that just fixed my computer i said listen 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 look uh this ain't right <laughs> i paid money for you to fix the computer and when i got it back it's worse than i brought it to you okay it, this never happened before oh bring it back to me and i'll figure it out so i brought it to him and he opened it up and he goes it seems to be working fine now i said no no no. hold on a second let me show you you ain't done nothing you just turned it on and so i i fooled with it and it, sure enough it froze and crashed right there and he goes oh all right let me work on it overnight I'll, I'll figure it out so i'm thinking okay great so meanwhile i come back to the office friday morning and i open up the program on another computer now i gotta have that program to them to play at 8 15 tonight this is friday morning so i come in here spend two hours creating the program all over again and it freezes and crashes again i open it on the third computer and it freezes and crashes I wanted to pick up every computer in the office and slam it and break it. I wanted to say curse words. I felt expletives just welling up in my soul. I, I mean, I just, everything in, I wanted to punch holes in the wall. I wanted to scream. I, I was about to just lose my sanctification, my salvation. The Holy Spirit was about to leave, depart, I mean, you know, you might as well have written Ichabod above the door, the glory has departed, it's done present my resignation letter to the elders (laughs) but all day long i knew what was happening my soul was asserting itself and i knew and i had just been teaching on this at every place where the soul asserts itself it must become an offering so every all day long i'm trying to grab my soul by the throat and say lord i offer it to you but it's screaming and kicking Lord, I offer it to you. I offer it to you, O oh Lord. I lift up my soul. And whenever I would come to that place, and say to you, O oh Lord, I lift up my soul. Peace and calm would come over me. All of a sudden, I would find just a moment for about 15 seconds where the Lord was my shepherd. And I didn't want. Just 15 seconds. And the clock would hit 16. And ah, my soul would go up again. know, <laughs> yeah. 4 p.m., I still didn't have a radio program. Computers crashing right and left supposed to meet my mom in Castro Valley to pick up my baby. And I'm late, and I'm thinking, oh, great, she's going to be upset with me now. And so I'm feeling all kinds of fear. and I, I, I was, I was just, my, I, It was one of the most frustrating days of my life. I wanted to just ram my head through a wall. And then I'm feeling, oh, great, we're going to look like idiots now because no program, 815, and now Pastor Benjamin Robinson in a 15-minute blank. But I had to c- keep coming back. Keep coming back. No, no, no. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I give you this fear. The frustration comes from fear. And Paul said, you haven't given me a spirit of fear. Because fear is bondage. And bondage always comes from deception. Why? Because Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The opposite of truth is deception. Therefore, deception always brings you into bondage. So, Lord, I can't walk in bondage today. Would you get a hold of me? To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I lift up to you my desire, and I had to do it all day long. I mean, it wasn't a one-time thing where I got zapped by the Holy Ghost. All day long, from morning to night, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul to you, O Lord. I lift up my soul, and finally I was able to borrow somebody else's computer and finish the program by about 5 p.m. Just in time. Just in time. But I saw the plan of the deceiver. Because had I simply allowed the soul to assert itself, I would have been in big trouble come 10 o'clock that night. If I allow my soul to continually assert itself and cry out in frustration and anger... It's an accusation against God. God, there's something I need that you're not doing for me. There's something I desire. There's, there's, something, there's an obstacle in my way that you won't move. It comes from fear, and fear always comes from unbelief, and unbelief is an accusation against God. And what I'm learning how to do is simply to trust. I'm going to keep walking on this road, and I'm going to trust that you're my shepherd. And I don't want for anything. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6 says that love rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. It says it does not rejoice in what is evil, but it rejoices with the truth. What is the truth? The truth is that he's given you everything you need for life and godliness. When you walk in love, you begin to rejoice with that truth. Are you rejoicing in the truth, or are you are you crying out in frustration in the lie? The lie says there's something that God is not giving me, something that I need. My soul is wanting, and it, it's and I know when I'm walking in deception because I stop rejoicing with the truth. That you know when Paul said rejoice in the Lord always, there's only one way to rejoice in the Lord always, and that's to walk in the truth. Because when I walk in the truth that the Lord is my Shepherd, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He said, Fear not, little flock, for the Father knows what you have need before you ask Him. He said in another place, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Isn't that the greatest, the most prominent sin in the body of Christ? Is worry. When Jesus said, Do not worry, we like to take that as a suggestion. Can I suggest that you don't worry? It's not the best for you. No, no, no. It's a command. Do not worry. It's the same as if he would have said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. He's saying, Do not worry. And it's a prohibitory subjunctive. It's emphatic future negation. Don't you even think about worrying. Ever. We got more worriers in the body of Christ than we do fornicators. We got more worriers than liars in the body of Christ. It's the most prominent sin in the body of Christ, and it always starts with the question, will God really provide for my needs? Can I really trust Him? Or do I have to take matters into my own hands? And it always, always, always comes from deception. Jesus says in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. What is our knowledge of him? He is the truth. It's our knowledge of him who is the truth. That is, as we know him as the truth. We lay hold of all of the riches of heaven that has provided us with everything we need for life and godliness. All of a sudden, we begin to rejoice with the truth. Even in the midst of trial, we rejoice with the truth. I have all that I need. I don't lack anything. Even in the midst of hardship, I can rejoice with the truth. I have all that I need. I don't lack anything because the Lord is my shepherd. Not in myself. But in him, I have all that I need. David says you desire truth in the inward parts. The only way to get truth into my inward parts is to get Jesus into my inward parts and to allow him to drive out all deception. And many of you here have been fighting temptation and fighting temptation. And fighting temptation and fighting temptation. And I'm here to tell you that God hasn't come today to simply give you a second wind in your fight against temptation. He's here to take away its power by setting you free from deception. When the Lord showed me that my friend had been an instrument of the enemy to deceive me. All of a sudden I came into contact with the truth. And I found that the truth... Unlock that deception. I came to a moment of repentance. Lord, forgive me for believing that lie. Forgive me for embracing that deception. And I renounce it. And I rebuke it. I don't need that. All I've needed, your hand has provided. And today God would cause us to come into an encounter with the truth. And by the power of the truth, he will set us free from every power of deception. And suddenly we find that when Jesus said, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We find that freedom in our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Bow your heads. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, you said the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Lord, I pray that we would be able to say that same thing in you.